All right. Thank you, Grace, uh, for those announcements and welcome. Good morning, church. It's great to be with you all today. Thank you, Connie and Mike, for putting together that video. I don't think our shine kids need to hear the sermon series on prayer, but you guys do, so no. (laughs) We start this eight-week series on life-changing prayer, and I'm excited about it as we've been thinking about it um, as a team, what God might do through this time as we grow our heart in prayer for God. What do you think of when you hear the word prayer? Just, you don't have to say it out loud, but what do you think of? And you can do this online, online. If you want to type it into the chat box, that would be great. What is prayer to you? Another question, how is your prayer life? You know, when I've asked that question to people, uh, most people say, well, it could be better, right? Or it's non-existent. Or it worked for a little while, and then it kind of faded off. I've never had somebody said, you know, my prayer life is the best it could possibly be. Nobody has ever told that to me. And I I wonder why. I think many of us, you know, we might hear a sermon on prayer. Maybe we feel a little guilty. And so, okay, I got to pray more. And we do. And maybe we don't experience it as life-giving, and it trails off. Maybe we're frustrated. Maybe it just feels like silence and It's a one-way conversation. Maybe we're indifferent to it. We don't really see how it changes things. Maybe we're just not sure how to pray or or what to pray or how do we connect with God in this. And and maybe, you know, it's hard for you to, to really talk to God honestly and openly. So you try to edit your prayers, you clean up your prayers, and you, and you bring God a speech. And I think for each one of us, I've definitely done all of those things as I've walked this journey with Christ. And yet, prayer is so key to our relationship with God that we have to keep pressing in and figuring out how to come at this in a way that helps us to grow. If you struggle with it, you're not alone. Probably everybody around you has struggled with prayer and maybe struggling right now. Um, But this series is not about guilting you into prayer. It's not about self-condemnation. It's really about opening up a door so that our lives could be filled with prayer all the time. It's opening some windows to see some different ways of looking into this important practice. So we're going to be looking at misunderstandings on prayer. We're going to be looking at some prayer practices. We're going to not just talk about prayer. We're going to actually pray. Um, so I'm excited about what's ahead. Let's, let's actually pray right now as we begin. God, I thank you for this time. I thank you that you are here in our midst. And God, I pray that you do do a work um, through these two months on prayer, God, that might they be a doorway for us. Might we be open to your Holy Spirit and how you will work in us this very morning, God. We thank you in your name. Amen. So today we're talking about prayer being more about communion with God and less about a conversation. When I was growing up um, in my Sunday school, we would have these competitions for how many verses you could memorize. And I very quickly went to find what are the shortest verses in the Bible. This, I think, is about the second shortest verse. Um, And so easy to memorize. And pray without ceasing from 1 Thessalonians. And As I heard that verse as a young person, I didn't really understand what it meant. How can you pray without ceasing? How do you do your schoolwork if you're praying all the time? How do you do your work 
right? How do you do anything if you're constantly in prayer? And maybe Paul was exaggerating. Maybe he was using hyperbole. Maybe it's this ideal that you're supposed to just always be praying. And, and how does that happen? And mostly I just sort of forgot about this verse as impossible to do, not really understanding what it was. And it really kind of connected to one of my misunderstandings about prayer. And that misunderstanding is, is that it's primarily about communication, that's maybe what we think about when we think about prayer, but actually prayer is more about our communion, that connection with Jesus. That's what prayer is primarily about, that we're connected to Jesus, that we're connected to God. Paul wants us, when he says pray without ceasing, he wants us to live out this unending connection with Jesus. And that is actually possible to do. You know, I grew up with this kind of concept. Prayer is my words to God, and either in my head or verbalizing my words, and I'm talking to God. Now, that's a part of prayer. That's a way to pray, for sure. But actually, what's deeper here is that prayer is actually communion with God. We bring all of who we are, our heart, our mind, our soul, our body, all of who we are into Christ's presence. That's the deeper understanding that Paul wants us to get and that Jesus actually wants us to get as well. See, we can sometimes think about our prayer in different segments of our life. And Brother Lawrence was somebody who, early on in the 1600s, he was working in a monastery, and his job was not so spiritual. He was actually working in the kitchen. And what he would do is clean pots and pans, and he would see all these different ways to practice God's presence. And he doesn't say they're wrong, but he's like, wouldn't it be easier just to live all of our life in front of God in his presence? And we have this quote from him from that time. He says, as often as I could, I placed myself as a worshiper before him, fixing my mind upon his holy presence, recalling it when I found it wandering from him. This proved to be an exercise frequently painful, yet I persisted through all the difficulties." This can take a lot of work, especially when we're starting off. I was talking to somebody after the first service, and they were talking to me about the work that it required for them to do this. And then as they saw themselves growing, it became more natural and natural to live all of our life before God, remembering that, oh, God's not just with me when I'm talking with him. He's actually with me all the time. See, we can talk about, in our modern life, we can talk about our work life and our church life and our family and friends and you know, all of these things can feel like different compartments, and, and church is one box, and prayer is one box, and oh, now prayer, I've got to somehow add an extra time in my schedule to pray, and does it all fit together? And we can have this idea that they're all disconnected from each other, but actually, prayer reminds us that they're connected. Our spiritual life is connected to all these other things, our work, our home, our school, our leisure, Dallas Willard, who, who writes one of my favorite books on prayer, and we have this in the bookstore. It's called Hearing God, and how do we hear the nudges of his heart um, to us? And I, I recommend that to you. But he says it this way, Dallas Willard, don't seek to develop a prayer life. Seek a praying life. A prayer life is a segmented time for prayer. You'll end up feeling guilty that you don't spend more time in prayer. Eventually, you'll probably feel defeated and give up. Has anybody done that here? A praying life is life that is saturated with prayerfulness. You seek to do all that you do with the Lord. 
Now, there's nothing wrong with setting aside time for prayer, right? Praying before meals, praying before bed, praying in the service, right? Praying in your life group. Those are all good things. But the ultimate goal of our prayer life is to recognize that all of our lives can be walked in prayer, in communion with God, not just these times where we're verbalizing our prayers, but we can integrate all of what we are into that with words, without words, right? Simply inviting him in. And so I like to reconceptualize this instead of all these different boxes of work and family and church is that actually we can have one big box and that's prayer in all the parts of our lives, our, our work and everything else can fit into that. And it's soaked in that and it's contained in that. It's not an extra add-on at the end of the day or at the start of the day actually all of our life can fit into this box of prayer, and we can do all of that before God. That can take some practice, but Jesus tells us a little bit about what this looks like in the Gospel of John, and this is on the screen. It's on your bulletin, and he's teaching his disciples, and he uses this metaphor. He says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. See, John wants us to get this important teaching from Jesus about who we are in our identity See, if you go all the way back to Genesis, in the garden, right, we have this time where Adam and Eve are are confused about their identity. They're actually wanting to become God. And so they choose what God has told them not to choose. And now Jesus is bringing us back into a garden, back into the vineyard, and he's telling us he is that vine. He is that life-giving source, and we're attached to that life-giving source. We are the branch And if we're not connected to that life-giving force, then we don't receive what he has for us. So that connection is of uttermost importance for us in our spiritual life. That's what it's all about. So if we think the most important thing in our life is the things we do and we're going about, we've, we've missed what God is doing in us. Who we are becoming is more important than the things that we are doing. If we remain in God, these verses say, fruit will come out. That will be the byproduct. We don't have to work for the fruit at that point, right? That is God's grace. If we are connected to the vine, fruit will be the natural byproduct of it. If we are remaining with God or if we are abiding in him, if we are connected to him, and and that's another common misunderstanding about prayer that it's God is the vending machine. We go to God to get the stuff that we want. And we can certainly ask God for things that we want. But the deeper truth is, is that it's about abiding in him. It's remaining in him. It's having that connection to him, not just going to him and asking for stuff. We get this picture of attachment, a vine and a branch. If you want to find the fuller context of John, read John 14 and 15 on your own because we get this picture that Jesus keeps painting that we are as disciples to be connected through the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
And, and Jesus says, actually, that's how he lives his life as well. He is connected to the Father. In John 5, he tells his disciples this, very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. So even though Jesus is God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, he says he can't take part in something that isn't what God wants, the Father wants. He joins God in what he's working. And how much more for us do we need to be attached to the vine to join God in what he is doing and align our hearts? That's why in verse 7, Jesus says this, right? If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. See, Jesus is painting this picture of this harmony between the vine and the branch, this connection that is, exists when we're connected to him. So the things we're asking are not sort of our selfish requests. The things that we're asking are aligned with who God is and what he is wanting. So this means that Christianity isn't just about believing the right things, or even just doing the right things, although those are important, it's primarily about our connection with Christ. It's about our connection with Christ, that remaining in him, that abiding in him. And we can experience that individually. As a church, corporately, we come together to experience this connection and how that looks. And it's a reminder that we're a part of something bigger than ourselves, that we as the church are the body of Christ. And it can be mysterious. What does this vine connected to the branch look like? Mother Teresa, back in the 80s, was interviewed by a famous U.S. newscaster, Dan Rather. And so he had her, he had her on his show, and he asked her, when you pray, what do you say to God? And this is what Mother Teresa said. I don't say anything. I just listen. Well, okay, the veteran journalist tried again. He said, when God speaks to you then, what does he say? He doesn't say anything. He listens. And Dan Rather was stumped at this time. And Mother Teresa added, and if you don't understand that, I can't explain it to you. There is a mystery there, right? And Mother Teresa you know, expresses that. What does that look like? We have to actually kind of jump in the water to know what water feels like, right? We have to try it out. We have to walk in this, and then we begin to understand it. Two months ago, we did a series on the Holy Spirit, and part of what the Holy Spirit does is it brings us Christ's presence. The Spirit is Christ's presence, and he brings us into that. And there's some mystery there, and that's okay. It means it doesn't always, you know, um, make sense. But once you've stepped in it, you begin to experience it. You begin to know what it's like. Thomas Kelly, a Quaker from last century, um, talks about the ability to do two things at one time, and this captures it well. He says, there's a way of ordering our mental life on more than one level at once. On one level, we may be thinking, discussing, seeing, calculating. At a profounder level, we may be also in prayer and adoration, song and worship. You can be at work and in prayer, right? Without words, you can be around the table with friends and family and you can be in prayer. You can be the branch connected to the vine. How does that look, right? 
Well, you imagine it, right? You remind yourself that Christ is actually with you. It takes work at first to remind yourself, right? I've been walking this week in particular trying to do this afresh, and it's helpful for me to visualize it wherever I might be, on the MTR, in the taxi, in a meeting, visualizing God being present with me. I was meeting with somebody for coffee this week, and we were talking about this concept. And, you know, I was saying, you know, very clearly when you're on your phone and you're texting people, you're, you're messaging them, you're, you're in conversation with them, you're having communication with them, and that's good. And a lot of times that's what our prayers are. God, you know, thank you for this food. God, can you help me? Um, can you help my my friend who's sick, and, and those are those text messages back, or God, what should I do in this situation? And we might, you know, get a nudge in his heart, and, and that's, that's okay, that's prayer, but, but actually there's a deeper thing going on where it's actually prayer is just like having your phone with you. Do any of you leave the home without your phone on purpose? If you do, that's probably a great discipline to have, right? I leave and I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to go back and get my phone, right? Having your phone with you is a great sort of analogy for God is always with you. You're going with him or not. Whether you're messaging him or not, you can be in communion with him that whole time. It's a little bit like Siri, right? Siri is always listening, right? And I've tried that out, you know, even when I haven't evoked Siri on my phone, I'll talk about something and I experimented. I'll talk about a product, and sure enough, the next day, there's an ad in my feed for that product, right? But God is kind of like that, not, not in a way that, um, you know, it, it, there is some mystery there, but God is always with us, and having God with us in those moments is, is happening, whether we're aware of it or not. But if we're not aware of it, we're missing out on what he wants to do in and through that time. And so there are times where it's easier and harder to do. When I'm on my bike, for instance, it's easier because I am not in conversation with somebody else. But if I'm at work, right, if I'm in a meeting, if I'm on the bus, what I'll do is I'll think about those things before that time. God, I know you're going with me into this meeting. God, I know you're going with me when I'm on this bus. God, I know that you're here in these places, and I'll remind myself that God is there. Remind myself when I'm in the line and I'm getting impatient, God, you are here with me. Because when those things happen, let's say we're in the midst of a fight with somebody and, and remembering right in that very moment, God, you're here with me. That reality begins to change how you walk in that moment. See, you can have a struggle. Let's say it's a struggle in your thought life. You're not wanting to have this thought. You can fight it on your own, right? I'm not going to think about that, right? I, I, I can deny it. God, I'm not going to think about that. I'm not, you know, push it under and sweep it under the rug. Or you can say, God, I'm having this thought right now. I just remember that you were here with me. Work in me through this. That's an honest prayer to God. God isn't looking for us to clean ourselves up and then come into prayer, right? He's with us anyway. And so we can invite that and be aware of that. Today, um, you know, we're not just wanting to talk about prayer. We're wanting to help us to pray. And so Anita and the team have set up three prayer stations um, around the church. And so we're going to have a time where you can make use of these. 
One is this one over here on my left is praying for the church. And there's markers there that you can write on and pray for something for community church. Um, the other station is praying for transformation. That's over here on the other side of the building. And there's rocks there and there's instructions on how to walk through that. In the hallway, you might have seen praying for the world. And you can do this also after the service. Do it with your children as well. Um, because these prayer practices you know, are meant to open us up to this idea that God is with us all the time, that we can be in communion all the time. And finally, we have this, this altar um, up here with pillows that you can kneel on and lights, uh, candles that you can light. And candles are a wonderful way to offer a prayer of hope, maybe praying for something in your own life that you want to see God answer or for somebody else. It's candle is that reminder that God is present with you. Um, we want this to be a time where you can be real with God. And if you're online right now, we have not forgotten about you um, as well. Um, you can see the instructions there. And you can do this if you're here as well. Take a moment to think about what's happening in the rest of your day. You know, how will you be leaving here? Will you be going to lunch? God will be with you at that lunch. Will you be in the taxi? Will you be on the bus? God will be with you in that place. What are you doing tonight? What are you doing the next day? Sort of think through your agenda and how it might be different with God with you and you're realizing that, that God is with you and take some time to invite God into that place. We want you to be real with God. If there's nothing we learn from Scripture is that we can be real with God wherever we're at. And so it might be a time to lay some burdens down that you're walking with today. It might be a time of lifting up. Maybe you're angry, right? It might be lifting up prayers for healing. Um, it might be laying down self-condemnation. God, I haven't been able to get this prayer thing right. And he is not a God of condemnation, but of invitation. He wants to invite you to be praying to him afresh. Let this be a time of making room for God to speak to you. God, I pray, you know, that you would continue to speak to us in this time as we make room for you, God, and fill that place with who you are.